Welcome to the Best Hour of Their Day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez and me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the best hour of their day podcast. Fern, we are absent one Jason Ackerman today, but I am here with Matt Becker from Jim Lawyers, jimlawyers.com, if you guys want to check that out. We're going to chat about all the legal things. We're going to use as many legal terms as we possibly can in this <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, but thanks for coming on the show, dude. I have a, I have a, an initial question I'm going to start with, but thank you for coming on. Yeah, sure. You're welcome. What's up? Uh, how I need to get rid of my partner. Can we just do that right here on air? Can you draft papers? Ooh. Yeah. Well, I don't, do you how have do an operating I, agreement? We do. How do I break okay. that legally and take all of your uh, shares in the company? Uh, okay. So call a meeting. Right. And figure out, see what the voting rights are in your operating agreement. Okay. They're probably all for him. Probably unanimous. Yeah. yeah probably unanimous. Yeah. Uh, so okay. you'd have to draft a resolution that says he's out. Okay. Um, Can I draft the resolution? Be, uh, he's got to sign it, to it though as a partner. I'll just tell him it's something else. I'll tell him it's okay. Know, like, okay. And as long as I get a John Hancock on it, we're good. Yeah. Only once he figures it out and then sues you for fraud, is that an issue? But until um, then, I mean, is it fraud though? Is it fraud? Um, well, if no. you tell him it's something else and then you get him to sign. It. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be like, it is, it is a legal document that you need to sign. So, um, no. Yeah. You wouldn't uh, understand it anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You don't know what it is means. Um, so no, cool. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we wanted to chat. Like, I think it's always, this is always, I wouldn't say uh, a topic that comes up, um, but like we do regularly have people ask us questions uh, you know, inside of the course and people don't like it, but I will punt on many things like lease agreements yeah. and waivers and contracts and gym owners, as you know, because you are an affiliate owner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It, your affiliate is in CrossFit Alloy. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the affiliate is CrossFit Alloy. Uh, the gym itself is industrial athletics right on the North side of Pittsburgh. Very cool. And then you've been open for almost 10 years. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, Pushing oh, for that ten-year mark, we're just OG, past nine. But OG on OG in it. the space—that's cool. That's cool. And then, yeah. how long have you been a lawyer? Uh, Two thousand and nine, I passed the bar in Pennsylvania. So okay. we're looking at what thirteen years. Got it. Okay, so that's right oh, when I opened my weird. affiliate. Very cool. That okay. is cool. Um, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to law school? WVU, West Virginia University. Okay. Down West Virginia, the Mountaineers. Yeah. Okay, cool. that's right. All right, not much out there, but good football team <laughs> no i like morgantown though yeah the football team's fun yeah once you get outside of morgantown then there's like yeah that's it you're like oh you're woods. hiking woods yeah. more woods <laughs> more woods um cool but yeah so i mean so obviously you're a lawyer and you've owned your affiliate for almost you know we'll call it almost the same amount of time so you've had, had your affiliate for almost a decade you've been a lawyer for mm-hmm. 13 years um how did you decide you're like you know what i want to do i want to be kind of i want to be a resource for gyms so that actually happened just this past fall. Um, I was, I tried so hard to get out of the legal practice. Um, COVID really helped with that. But after about what, about 2018, 2019, I decided I wanted to go full time into my gym mm-hmm. and started to close my legal practice. And then I, had, I was down to about two clients when COVID hit. And I was like, sweet, this is the perfect opportunity to close these cases out. 
And now I've got to really dedicate all the time in the world to the gym because I got to keep that thing running yeah. while it's, it's closed down. Um, once we reopened everything, I had officially been done with the legal practice. So I thought I was in the clear. And then Chris Cooper from Two Brain Business uh, reached out to me and said, I think there's a lack of professional services and gyms when it comes to the legal stuff. So For sure. we've got websites, we've got right. accounting, um, we've got insurance, you know, all these professional services directed toward micro gyms, but we're missing legal. Would you do it? And I kind of went, fine. Right. <laughs> I'll go back. I'll go back into the legal stuff. Yep. Um, so did a lot of research to figure out exactly how I can do it across the United States without overstepping any professional responsibility laws. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess officially launched, opened the virtual firm in November. And okay. we've been chugging along ever since. So you're, I don't know, r- roughly six months in? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, it gives you, it does give you a distinct advantage being a box owner. You're like, well, I could pretty much outline most of the things that people do horrendously as affiliate yeah. owners. Yeah. So, right. um, right. uh, but you're in, so, but you're also in the gym full time as well. Well, it's, so that's, that's had to start, um, kind of going back the other way into a little right. bit more of a part time. And, and that's, that was more of a, of a, of a path that I ended up going down anyway. So I went full-time into the gym and then from there, again, I'm not name dropping, but we're, right. we're a two brain gym. Um, so the Chris Cooper's whole model is founder, Farker, founder, farmer, tinker, thief. Right. Um, so they were trying to move me into a role in which I was more of the tinker phase anyway. So hired a general manager, promoted my head coach into more of a, a head coach in charge of the other coaches role, hired three more coaches. Mm-hmm. So really started to replace myself in that business anyway. Um, so I had the availability to move out and really start um, representing people and, and, and getting gym lawyers off the ground. And so now and I, then I would say what's your, what's your staff at the box look like? Um, we have currently, we have a, a general manager, a head coach in charge of the coaches. And then we have two part-time coaches. Sweet. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. So um, outside of getting rid of my partner, which we'll, we'll do offline and I'll have you drop this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, so like, there's a couple of big things that I think people struggle with um, and we can go however you want in here. But like one of the things people are like, can you look at my waiver? And I'm like, no, <laughs> Sure. I mean, I can look at it and that's going to be the extent of the feedback that I give you. It's just like, you, you have a waiver. I have no idea if it's good, but you know, so, so tell me if this is, so what I will, my first recommendation is a, you should have a lawyer look this over, but B, mm-hmm. I think people, I think people forget to get in touch with their insurance provider on this. Yes. Like, you should run 100%. that by your insurance provider. They probably have a, a framework with which you should operate within and then have somebody who is a specialist. Look at that. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, that's really good advice. If that's what you're telling somebody to do is go, go ask their insurance company. So, well, Matt, that's why we're the best in the business because we only <laughs> give good advice. So <laughs> great start guys. Um, so we kind of break this down in, into, into three different stages. So one is the, the new gym owner and getting every, all the documents, everything lined up. The next one is 
is the current, what we call the established gym owner who just needs everything reviewed. And then you have the back end when everybody's buying and selling. Um, so the, the problem that we see with the waivers is either one lack of, of language, necessary language that needs to be in there. Things like it needs to say the person signing it accepts all responsibility for the risk that they're taking. That's mm-hmm. not always in there. Um, and then two, you know, people come in and when we talk to established gyms, they hand us these forms and yes, you're correct to tell them to go ask your insurance company about it because the insurance company probably has their preferred language and potentially a form that they also recommend that you use. Right. Like a par FQ or something like that. Yeah. 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 The, the, The problem with the form is a lot of time there's language in there that doesn't even apply and that can start to nullify sections of the waiver you know, my, my favorite example is uh, a woman from, from a, a box owner in New Jersey sent me her mm-hmm. waiver to review and there was language in there waiving um, prop issues that came from, from the climbing wall. Oh, God, like, that's she's doing multiple things in her facility then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, she's not. No, that, that was the problem. Oh, so, she has a so verbiage in there about a climbing wall that she doesn't have. She doesn't have a climbing wall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, but we're thinking about getting one, so we just so decided they, to go a little early. I'm thinking, wow, yeah. Um, so I start looking all over her social media and the website and everything else. I'm not seeing any climbing wall, and so I reached out to her. I was like, "Why do you reference this climbing wall like ten times in your waiver?" And she writes back and says, "Well, I just got this waiver from my insurance company." And I went, "Oh, you okay. need a you need a new insurance provider." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the problem with the forms. So you are right to tell them to go and, and get a final review from their insurance company, but be very wary of the, of the forms that are just out there online, because a lot of it, there's unnecessary language, there's missing language, and there's sometimes it just doesn't apply. Well, yeah, that's why I typically recommend both, right? It's just like, hey, you want the mm-hmm. insurance company, because, I, and this is just reverse engineering the, the potential problem. If in fact something happens and you need this waiver, the insurance company is going to be the one who's going to be looped in here with regard to payout. So they're going to CYA themselves. And then the lawyer is going to do exactly, they're going to scrub it for like, you don't need this. This is garbage. You don't need that. Here's what you should add. Um, And then go from there and be like, okay, cool. I feel confident about this um, in order to do that. The, uh, but yeah. And then uh, the other one that drives me nuts is like, Hey, we do paper waivers. I'm like, good luck finding that when you need it. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, what year is it? it. What what year is it? Yeah, please. When, if you have a, a client management software like Wattify or or, or Plan or anything like that, put it online. And if your if your membership contracting service or your membership software does not provide one, I think there's I mean there's at least five services out there that you can pay for that that gives you online. I, I mean, worst case scenario, you could go real low rent and then just make a Google form. That there was yeah, still yeah, run could. run through multiple entities, like the verbiage is right, it's been vetted, and you're like, I don't want to pay for a service. I'm like, make a Google form that they have to sign an initial, like for God's yeah, sake. But like an initial, it, it's 2022. Right. Like it's not, you know, <laughs> I don't want to see this loose leaf notebook of like waivers that you have. And I'm like, oh my God. So I always have wondered. Uh so like things like Waterfall, you may not be able to answer this, but that signature in there that nobody actually like can sign a signature, is that valid? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is because they have a little box on there that, that you click that says, this is my electronic signature. Okay. 
Sorry. Because I mean, if I were to scroll through there for sure, I'm going to bet large sums of money that there is no less than half a dozen drawings of dicks on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No less yeah. than half a dozen. Um, that would be fantastic to cross examine yeah. somebody about that in court. You're like, uh, you're is like, this, your, this signature? your signature? And you're like, um, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I don't remember drawing that, <laughs> but that looks like mine. <laughs> that looks like mine. Um, <laughs> the other one, the other one that comes up quite a bit is, um, I just want to get your thoughts on contracts, right? So I was perusing through your website. And by the way, uh, your if you guys go to jimlawyers.com, the um, the blog is nice. You guys do a good job with your blog. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, one of the things you guys write on there is uh, is about contracts. So just mm-hmm. in general, like without diving into any specifics, but I do have some, some specific questions about that. Thoughts on, this is a contentious topic within the CrossFit affiliate space. Yeah. 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 Um, our opinion is if you are ever trading services for money, get it in writing. Um, you know, there, there have been instances where we've been called by gym owners saying they're sued because you know, they agreed to take, <clears throat> they agreed, somebody came in and they agreed to charge them, let's say $150 a month. And then, then it's on automatic billing mm-hmm. and the person doesn't show up for six months, turns around and sues them for the money back because they didn't use the service that they agreed to for six months. And the gym owner doesn't have something in writing saying that they agreed to pay it automatically. Mm-hmm. Then they got to give that money back. You're going to have a real hard time uh, proving that this person agreed for you to take, especially if you're doing automatic billing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a whole other topic we can talk about as far as like three, six month year long contracts, mm-hmm. but well, you, so, to kind of- so I don't want to, I don't want to just breeze by that. Cause that's an important distinction. So, okay. because, and this is where I think people could get in a little bit of hot water, right? So like, let's just say you don't have, let's say your gym, which is probably at least the hundreds that we work with. Yeah. The vast majority don't come in and have any sort of agreement, right? Or contract or is it, yeah. can we, for the sake, for the sake of this podcast, we will use agreement and contract interchangeably. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, yep. cool. That's All fine. right. So they will not have something of that nature in place. Um, however, they will, I don't know anybody that doesn't have, and they should, if they don't automatic renewal in place, mm-hmm. which correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what you just told me is a problem. If there's a dispute. Uh, yes. And, and there's multiple ways that that can become a problem. Okay. First and foremost, you're getting direct access to somebody's bank account. Okay. Or, or their credit card or, credit or, card, debit, or card. debit card. Yeah. Right. So there's multiple layers by which now that this can become a problem if somebody wants to raise a dispute. So first and foremost, you don't have a written contract providing you permission to take these payments every month to hit somebody's ACH transaction account, right? From, from literally from their bank account or mm-hmm. through their debit card or through their credit card. So if you don't have something in writing saying that you have the right to do that, I mean, good luck proving it. So, you know, they're going to sue you in court. They're going to stop the transactions through their credit card. You have no dispute then to back to their credit card because you don't have anything in writing from them showing that they signed it, let mm-hmm. alone just having it in writing get it signed. Right. Okay. That, that says that they agree to this. Um, so you're going to lose out from their credit card company. So they're going to reverse all those transactions. 
Um, that's the big one. This is why nobody can win a dispute because they don't have they don't have anything in place. So like nine times out of, in writing. Nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, if there's a dispute, most gym owners are gonna lose like yeah. every single time. Right. Yeah. And then I, I don't think, and maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit. There with regard to I think it has to do with uh PCI law. Is that a, is that a proper statement? It's like it's like something PCI compliant. I forget what it stands for, but with regard to you might have the verbiage in your waiver, which is, which is a problem in and of itself. And I, and yeah. because I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're there. They have a little bit of wiggle room there to say, like, this is not clearly stated, even though it is in writing here, this, this is to some degree, um, I don't want to say malicious, but it's not clear to the consumer and therefore it, it does not abide. Is that accurate? It is. And that brings up, you know, not to go on too many side tangents, but another good point of not only do you need a waiver, not only do you need a membership contract, they need to be two separate documents. So a lot of gyms, when, again, when, when we review their documents, these established gyms, and we're reviewing their documents, we find that, um, you know, they've got the waiver and, and, and the membership contract in one thing. And usually it's, it's like all, all these membership yeah. contract terms, right. And then at the very bottom is the waiver it doesn't work that way. One of those two things is going to fail. Okay. So you've got to separate them out into and, and two. Um, so yeah, you, you can't then turn around and, and send like a credit card company the waiver and be like, well, look, this is our membership contract. And be like, no, it's not, it's a waiver. Um, and you know that the, yeah, well, the issue, because a, a is not, it's not very obvious to the person because you may not have put an initial block in there it might be in line 4,768 of the waiver <laughs> right. and, and the document, because of the, we'll speak specifically to Waterfy, it is labeled as a waiver, mm-hmm. not a contract or an yeah, agreement. Very good point as well. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those online softwares, they, they will label the contract for you. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not like we're losing out on $20 a month for an, from an LA fitness contract, right? I mean, it's right. $100, $150, $200, you know, or a $600 personal training per month contract. You know, that's, that's a significant amount of money coming out of your pocket. Yeah. So I, I, you know, really what I'd like people to take away from this is like, whether you decide to do contracts or agreements, you should definitely relook at your waiver to, cause if you have all that jammed in one, at some point, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've been doing this 13 years, like you're going to run into a problem. Um, I've, I've won many disputes cause they were legit. Cause I was able to send the credit card company, like four pieces of documentation that were all separate. There you go. Very good. Like, yeah. Okay. That holds, you know? Um, yep. and I don't recommend you go around trying to be litigious with people, but sometimes it's legit. I'm like, no, that charge is legit. This person is a turd and trying to stiff me out of money. Well, from a gym owner's perspective and from you guys consulting with gyms also, you know, how many times if you have a 30 day notice of cancellation requirement in your membership contract, which we recommend you do, and somebody tries to cancel their membership and you say, okay, you know, we'll apply your 30 day notice right now. And they go, no, 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 I want to cancel today. You can hand them that membership contract and say, too bad. Here's the one that you signed that says you had, there's a 30 day notice requirement. Yeah. Um, you know, that saved me multiple times for people that are feel uneasy about the 30 day notice. What, what would you tell them? I, if you're not going to enforce it, don't stick it in writing. Just that, that's, that's your business. Um, 
And you, you don't have to make it 30 days. You can make it 14 days. You make it 15 days. It doesn't matter. But if you're, if bottom line is you're uneasy about enforcing that, then don't bother putting it in writing because as soon as you make an exception for one, you got to make an exception for all. And then the, the, the contracts avoid anyway. Yeah. That's one of the people like, what, what policies should I have? I'm like, only the ones that you are going <laughs> to stick, stick by. Right. Yep. If you like, don't, yep. don't have a rule. It's like having kids. Do you have kids? No. Yeah. So no, one day, if you do have kids, it's the same thing, which is like, if you're going to tell them they're going to be punished and then you don't punish them, good luck. You have a, you yeah. have a long, rough life ahead of you as a parent, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you have to enforce it. And then, you know, cause like we are, we're all, you know, benevolent in some way, shape or form. And it's like, well, I want to help people. I'm like, cool, but you have to have rules. And you know, the, we kind of like to teach people like you have to have rules. And if, but if it's the right thing to do to break the rules, then you have that you have that ability to do that. It's your business. You can exercise yeah. that, that if you would like to. Um, so no, but that one comes up quite a bit. And I think there's just a bad taste in people's mouth with regard to contracts in general, because most of us only know the predatory nature of like the globo gym world, which is like, you're locked yeah. in, you're paying me forever. Like that's how this works. Um, but you don't have to write agreements or contracts in that nature. Like you could write something that's fair. Yeah, you just put the terms in there just right. so everybody knows what they're agreeing to. And if you're going to have a written contract, <clears throat> have a signature line and an operating procedure that says whoever, whatever staff member is entering this contract with the, the new member is getting it signed because the next layer there is, you know, again, we then talked to gym owners who said, yeah, oh yeah, I have something in writing, but they never signed it. It's like, well, now you yeah. can't prove that they agreed. Those were the actual terms that they agreed to, right? right? It gets pretty nuanced pretty quickly. That's definitely. So I, I recommend, and this is kind of different for everybody because they're unique, but it should be built in there where that is not even a possibility. Like there should be no way that the person could make it all the way through that process, show up to class and have not signed that document. It should not be right. possible. Right. Um, so that way you don't have to worry about that, but that, that is quite literally something that should never happen, um, because it should be built into the sales process. And then it should be like, if you have the ability to block somebody or, or prevent somebody from checking into a class without signing that, you should have that turned on. Like they should not be yeah. able to do that. So, so do you guys recommend that you use your software to, uh, require members to sign up for classes in advance as well? Just so, side curiosity. Not no. So we have plenty of gyms that do that, and I, this is one where I mean, some people get really rigid with that. Uh, I think yeah. this is 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 a unique one where it's it's unique to the culture of the gym. If the gym's pretty laid back, then I don't think you need to be super hard about it. Like we don't necessarily require them to check in prior to, but we really mm -hmm. do. We really do try to enforce like just check in when you get here. I don't care when you check in, just check in. Yeah. You know, for multiple reasons. Um, the least of which being the, the waiver issue, like we'll figure that out when we run reports weekly, you know, but it, the, the other reason that never happens is because we do all those in person. So like that is going to happen. Okay. Like, I'm just going to hand them an iPad and be like, sign that. Do you have any questions about that? And they're like, Nope. I'm yep. like, okay, cool. We're good. Um, but it's more for tracking for attendance purposes to figure out if we need to move classes or if some, if like, if, if attendance is getting really high to figure out mm -hmm. as we grow, where would be the most logical place to, to make the change versus just guessing because one person was like, I would, I would really like an 825 class. And you're like, all right, cool. You know? um, so yeah, I think it's got less right. to do with the waiver stuff than it does with just like trying to make uh, objective decisions that every hope, you know, hopefully every gym owner will have to make as their, as their community grows. Sure. 
So um, what's one of the biggest things you've learned having wearing both hats, lawyer, box owner? Um, preparation is like the name of the game. So take the time now to worry about putting all of these things in place so that they don't come up later. Um, <clears throat> we had a, we had a member have a heart attack once at the end of Murph and I was puckering real hard that day, making sure that my waiver was sound and my language was in there and he had signed it. And I was like, I had to copy downloaded and I was ready to go. And, and thank goodness. Is that um, person okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's actually, okay. he's, he actually was just nominated as our athlete of the month for May. Hell yeah. Um, so nice. he's been around and, and, and everything's great, but you know, the, those are the instances where you don't want to question whether or not that person signed the way. Right. Right. That was uh, it's weird. You bring that up. I was um, literally just, so I was on a, I was, uh, I was just on a small, I was on a, one of our small group calls yesterday. I don't even know how it came up. Oh, one of the gym owners was asking about, um, he's like, I had a person that come in and they've got some medical conditions. Like, sh like, how should I manage that? And I was like, well, a, <laughs> that you should get confirmation from that person <laughs> that their doctors that they can work out before you do anything. Uh, yep. And then B, um, you need to let the staff know and, and you need to review your EAPs. Right. So like, cause I don't, what's your, what, do you have any sort of like medical training or anything in that prior to school or anything like that? Uh, no, I was just EMT. Right. Uh, well, okay. Cause so, well, yes. So just EMT is way more than most people, <laughs> but that, that actually plays exactly into my point is um, unless you've had that training and even some instances, if you have had that training, if you've ever been in kind of like an emergent situation, most people will freeze up and do nothing. Mm -hmm. That's, so forget the waiver portion, right? Like, yes, that needs to happen. But also from a legal standpoint, like, are, are you confident that your staff knows what to do in the event that Bob has a heart attack and they're yeah. not just like running around, you know, the first thought is like, let's turn the music down. I'm like, wrong, wrong answer. <laughs> Don't worry about the music, you know? So I think it's stuff like that. It's just like, and you should review that regularly. And like, so, you know, we have, uh, I've got, there's like at least three or four of us that are former rescue swimmers. So you have mm -hmm. medical training there. I've got firefighters. I have a slew of nurses here, you know? So like you should review that with your whole staff. Like, what do you do? Right. Like, and well, then ask them like, how many yeah, of you yeah. know that, how many of you know the address to the facility? <laughs> yeah. 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 All that's really important. And it, it, it is. And then that should all be part of your procedure. And a lot of States require your, your coaches to be, or your trainers to be CPR certified at the very least, uh, yeah. and AED certified as well. Um, yeah. you know, I know for your level three, um, what's your, how, how many, what, what's your credential? What's your crop? Level two. I'm level, two? level two. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. So for your level three, you have to, you have to have a, um, a valid CPR okay. certif certificate on file for that. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's super important. Oh, sorry. Um, um and then in those instances, you know, you get an incident report as well. Right. Make sure you've got something that you fill out immediately after right. everything gets resolved. Okay. Thoughts. I've seen some very intricate incident reports Okay. <laughs> to which I'm typically like, that's dumb. Nobody's going to remember. They're not going <laughs> to fill it out anyway. You need like date, time, who, what, and what the outcome was. And that's quite literally it. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you know, it, it's probably cliche to say, you know, you do it to answer the who, what, when, where, why of, of what happened, but that's all the detail. That's all the information you really need, but you do want as much detail as, as right. possible. Right. Right. Um, but no, you don't need like a three page incident report that tries to ask a million different questions about it. Yeah. Um, it's just somebody needs to, the most important thing from our perspective, and I think insurance companies, I at least know one agrees with this is that it needs to be filled out as soon after the right. incident happens as possible. Cause you're inevitably going to end up talking to somebody at the insurance company. And the worst thing you can do is say, I don't remember. Right. Yeah. I think like, here you go. I think the last one we had is like somebody, this is probably two years ago, but like somebody split their shin on a box and I walked in there, mm-hmm. there's like one sitting on my desk. And I was like, God, I was like, and then literally like the next month I was like, we got rid of all the boxes. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's ridiculous. It's like 10 years and we're still doing with this bullshit. Um, yeah. So um, the other thing I think uh, I'll typically recommend is, is wherever you have your, you know, like put everything in one spot, meaning like if you have a first mm-hmm. aid kit, AED incident report, like it should all be in the same place. Yes. Right. They run, they run over there. And then <clears throat> the other thing I'll typically recommend is like on the incident report or somewhere there, you should have the address listed of the facility. So that way, when somebody yeah. goes over there, they're like, or you have a member that you'd be like, hey, I'll be like, hey, Matt, call 911. And they're like, I don't know the address. I'm like, it's written right there. Like, it's right where you need it. So like have everything centrally located. And like, if you just walked in that general direction, you would find everything that you needed in the event of emergency. And this is all, again, you asked me what's sort of like the biggest lesson that I've learned from, from being the head of both is all of this preparation. Though I, I think, in my opinion, from the gym owners that I've talked to, a lot of them look at a lot of this stuff and say, well, this is a lot of legal formality. This is a lot of formality. This, is, this stuff's never going to happen. I don't need this or that. And you know, part of my job is just convincing gym owners that, yes, you do. You need operating agreements. You need written waivers. You need signed contracts. Um, you need this stuff because, wow, hopefully you never do need it if you do it's right. going to be a lot better and a lot cheaper for you to have it in place. It will. It's, it's something that I'll recommend. And unfortunately I have been sued it sucks, mm-hmm. but, but this is by a landlord, which we want, but the um, it's going, I mean, if you do this long enough, the likelihood is pretty high. Like if you're going to do yeah. this for 20 years and, and you think you're never going to have a legal dispute, like, I don't, I don't know how accurate that's going to be like no. to, to some degree, you know? Um, no. So I, it's just like, just cover your bases and the three to $400 you're going to pay an attorney to look something over and make sure it's good is going to be well worth it down the road. And yeah. because you could pay tens of thousands of dollars in a legal dispute. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. then, it and that would just, and that would just be to pay your lawyer, Yep. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not if you lose the dispute and they're like, you owe so-and-so $150,000. You're like, well, mm-hmm. um, guess I'm going to find another profession because we got to close my the gym. gym. You know? Yeah. So, we're a lot cheaper on the front end than we right. are on the back end. I always I give my short, much. I always give my lawyer shit. Cause I'm like, bro, you better come through in the event that I need you. <laughs> I'm paying you a decent amount of money. Um, but uh, so on that note, we uh, biggest mistakes with regard to leases that you see. Um, signing it as an individual instead of as your LLC. So I have a question um, about that, right? Because a lot okay. of, um, I've, I don't know if I've been given bad information or this is like, so let's, I'm a new 
entity, right? I mean, let's say I'm, I'm Jason Fernandez and I spin up CrossFit Fern tomorrow, okay. but, but I have zero, zero history of business. All I have literally is a certificate for my business and an EIN that I've gotten. Yep. Um, and what I have found is that, and I don't know if this is true. So just to get people the ability to arm themselves with information is that many landlords would not let them sign with the business. They'd be like, no, you have to personally guarantee that. Okay. So there's, there's a few different uh, issues that I want to highlight in that statement. First off, that's I'm going to go off That's why a, I brought it up. <laughs> a little tangent here and, and, and remind you that as part of your affiliate agreement with CrossFit, you are not allowed to LLC that name. So Correct. you need Correct. a separate LLC. To that is, with. so that is new for everybody that doesn't know that. Right. So like, um, but you used to be able to do that. You cannot do that anymore. You cannot, you can yeah. file it as a fictitious name. You can no right. longer file it as your LLC. Entity. Right. Well, so um, luckily we did that 13 years ago and I would love to say, ago, yeah. I, I, luck, I would love to say that we did that because we were super smart. That's not the case. Like we <laughs> did it by accident. Um, but so that's the first one is you cannot have your, your official business name cannot be CrossFit anything. It has to be right. Ferns Fitness or something like that. Yep. Yep. It could be Ferns Fitness, DBA, CrossFit, whatever. Right. Anyway. Uh, so from there, there's a difference between signing a lease with you as the name individual and signing a lease with a personal guarantee. Now, are, are people going to argue that they're one and the same? Yes, they can. But what you're talking about is <clears throat> if you look at the very top line of, of your commercial lease, it's going to say that this lease is between two parties. One party is going to be you, okay? And the other party is going to be the landlord. What I'm talking about is you need to get that in the name of your LLC, okay? right? Because that does provide you some level of protection. Now, on the back end, you're right. Most landlords are going to turn out and turn around and make you sign a personal guarantee that says that if anything defaults during this lease term, that you will come in personally and, and pay for that. That's negotiable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, even if a, a brand new, even if a landlord looks at you and says, you're a brand new company, I'm going to make you sign a personal guarantee. That's fine. Let's negotiate what that language is. You can then avoid some liability by signing a personal guarantee if the lease itself is in the name of your LLC. If Got the it. lease is in your personal name, you're not getting away with anything. Right. If there's a default, you're hosed. Right. Um, so first and foremost, get it in, in the name of your LLC and your business. We'll worry about the personal guarantee later. If you if somebody has done that, they're like, oh, sh they're listening. They're so like, oh, my God, I did that. How would they go about you just approach the landlord and be like, hey, I would like is that an amendment or it can be like, Hey, can we do a new one? But I'd like to file it under Ferns fitness and not Jason Fernandez or not file. Yeah, it. You very like, well I'd could. like to re-sign this. Yep. Yeah. Usually the landlord is, is probably going to disagree with that until right. it comes up for renewal. Right. Um, that's just one of those live and learn. You can do better with it next time. Right. Um, if you're, if you're established to the point that you're now worrying about that, that you're probably okay for the remainder of the term of the lease. Right. Um, but it's it's really hard to make amendments to the leases once they're signed, which is why we, you know, I've I, again I've had new gym owners call me and say, "I need you to look at a lease," and I say, "Great, send it over." And he says, "Well, let me let me finish negotiating it first, and then I'll send it to you for approval." And it's like, 
that's way too late. <laughs> like, it's backwards. No, it's, that'd be like asking your that'd be like asking your coach. Um, can you look at my snatch? He's like, yeah, let me take a look. He's like, no, I already did it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can't right. really that's look exactly at it right. now. I, I don't, what do you want me to do at this point? Um, and then from there, like you go down through your lease and, and find the use of premise section. So this one can, this one causes a lot of issues at the time, especially if you're running a CrossFit gym, because we create a lot of noise. And if your building is shared with other tenants, other tenants are not going to enjoy that 450 pound deadlift being dropped. Um, and so if you just put in your, your use of premise that we're running a fitness facility, mm-hmm. the other people in the, the surrounding area, the other people in the building, they can come back and then complain to your landlord that you're violating the, the noise ordinances or that you, you're making too much noise. And the landlord then has the right to come back in, especially if you said it's only a fitness facility and you signed a quiet enjoyment portion of your lease that landlord is then going to come back and say, get out because you are violating the lease. You're causing too much noise. What so, other than, other than fitness facility, what would you recommend somebody put in there? Uh, we are running a fitness facility that is known to cause a lot of noise. <laughs> Just like, That's literally what my lease it's, says. It's loud. <laughs> yes. God. That's literally what my lease says. Um, I act, actually, I think, I think if, if I think about it really specifically, I think my lease says, um, we run a we run a CrossFit facility, or, or the premise will be used as a CrossFit facility known to cause noise, play loud music, and use the surrounding area. Um, so that way they couldn't come back and, and yell at us when we're running through the parking lot going for meter sprints or whatever. Okay, yeah, and none of that sounds like lawyer speak. It's just regular words. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah, it's and you know the landlord might be a little bit surprised by that, but it's a lot better to know now. You're not going to trick the landlord, right? You're not going right. to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to talk about this. And then he'll let me open up my gym and, and everything will be okay. No, it'll no, be worse. Get this stuff out in front. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be worse. Yeah. It'll be worse. Yep. I, I, like that's my other recommendation. I'm just like, go talk to your landlord, dude. Just like have a conversation. Like they're not, they want a, they want a tenant and they don't want they problems. Do. I, I assure you, they do not want problems. So just have those conversations on the front end. And that that's a, that's a, that's an incredibly good point is they want a tenant. This space is currently making them no money. And probably the space that you're looking at is probably pretty niche that nobody's, they're going to have a hard time filling this warehouse space with this high ceiling anyway. Um, so you well, have not, some power. Not these days. It's w- weird times now. Like, no. like <laughs> flex, sure. flex space is a mess. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that are that might be staring down the barrel of getting kicked out of spaces or getting like severe increases in rent just due to weird market stuff. But we are hitting a lot of a lot of gym owners are calling us about severe increases and there's not a lot that we can do about it. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, so on that note. I know you're not a leasing agent, but you, you kind of live in both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. Tactics and trip tricks with regard, not tricks, but tactics with regard to negotiating, right? So I think one of the big mistakes I think uh, I've made in the past and other gym owners will make is they go in there trying to, to win the negotiation instead of trying to come up with something reasonable. You know, this happened when, uh, when COVID happened. So everybody's just like, well, I'm just going to ask him for free rent. And I'm like, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Right? Ask him if you can shift it around a little bit, but right. it's a landlord, right? Like he, right. he's running a business. However you feel about being a landlord, it doesn't matter. That's a business. And if you're just asking them for free rent, that is not going to go over well. But if no. I'm going into a space, 
you know, how do people ask for things or how would you negotiate things for like terms, tenant improvement, you know, uh, anything like that? Like how, what would you, what should the, the, the new person be armed with if they're getting ready to go have a discussion about a space? You're like, I really like this space. However, there are some things that need to be done here. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I tell the gym owner is you make a list of what it is that you want changed or you want to see modified or whatever, and then figure out absolute best case scenario and figure out where your line is in the sand. You're never going to get your best case scenario (laughs) and you have to be prepared to walk away. If you, if they want to pass that line in the sand, anything in between those two points, you're winning, go ahead and keep moving forward. Um, And that's been our biggest advice for people who are, are now coming up on renewals and seeing giant rate hikes is, you know, yeah, you'd love to keep it where it is, but that's not going to happen. Right. Um, They want to jump it up $10 a square foot. Okay. Best case scenario for you might be $5 a square foot uh, increase, figure out where you can go in between. And if you can make it financially happen, then it's still a win. Keep moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I typically would recommend, I'm like, I've learned this too. Like I've just been around enough to get salty about certain things, but I'm like, ask, just ask, just ask. The worst case yeah. scenario is they say no. Yeah, this happened right. maybe like five years ago when we expanded because we have about 11,000 11, square feet, but we were in six okay. at the time. And mm-hmm. I went to the landlord and the space that was next to us that we ended up taking had been quite literally had been empty for five years. had been empty the entire time that I was there. And I was just like, Hey, I would like you, I would like abated rent for the first three months while I do the build out. And he's like, we've never done that before. And I was like, I don't so? care. I, like, <laughs> I don't care if you've ever done it before or not. I'm like, it's empty, dude. I'm going to take it. I'm going to sign an, an additional lease, but right. I would like time to build it out before I start paying you for this dump that I have to clean up and fix. And, uh, I think I asked him for five and he gave me three. Yeah. And I was right like, there. okay, perfect. You went in I'll with your done. best case scenario. Right. right. I was like, all right, we gave me three. And I was like, perfect. That's always going to be done in 30 days anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. But I just, yeah. I didn't want to start. I wanted to, the opportunity to, to build it out. So I was just, I'm like, shoot your shot. And you'll probably come up with something in the middle, um, which is kind of the goal. But like, you're never going to get the full kit and caboodle. Like you said, you're like, you're not getting it. <laughs> Landlord's no. like, Landlord's like pound sand, dude. Get out get of here. <laughs> but it never hurts to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. The, uh, the last thing I think we can jam on, um, is the, I know you, I know how you feel. Cause I read some of your blogs about W2 versus 1099. So we can, we, <laughs> we, we kind of dovetail into that. We can kind of dovetail into that. Um, and, um, cause I know you and John Briggs probably disagree vehemently on this. Um, yes, uh, that's, that's, that's John Briggs. That's cause he hates the IRS. Um, the, uh, so that and in, in and in a kind of like a an adjacent topic of employee contracts. Um, my guidance is typically the same, which is like have a lawyer read that over. Like I'm not in it. I don't specialize in, in in employment law, if that's even a thing. I don't even know. I might just made that term up. But, um, and and it depends on the verbiage has to be specific with regard to contractor W two to with at least to my limited knowledge, it does. Um, and then other people put weird stuff in there. Like, how do you feel about like the code of conduct? People put the weird code of conduct in their, in their trainer agreement. I'm like, yeah, I, I always recommend they just put that in their, their like handbook or their, right. their operating procedures. <laughs> like, take that like, shit you out. like you're not going to enforce that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You don't need that in the contract. 
Um, um, but just right, give me so, your thoughts on that and, and when walk us through that, we'll play a little devil's okay. advocate. So W2 versus 1099. So an employee versus an independent contractor. Um, the, the, the question really from our perspective comes down to what is the IRS going to see the individual as? And the IRS really applies sort of a three-part nebulous test that is not very specific at all as to whether or not somebody is considered a, an employee or an independent contractor. And the question really, from a gym owner's perspective, the question is simply, do you have to pay taxes um, or do you have to take taxes out and match the federal taxes that you're paying for this individual to be a mm -hmm. staff member at your gym. The biggest problem, in our opinion, that we run into when we're considering a staff member at the gym as an independent contractor is how much control do you have over that individual? Mm -hmm. Okay, now, the part of the IRS test uh, applies to, you know, how much do you require them to act a certain way in the sense of like, if you have, if you're a gym owner and you have a very specific way on how you teach the deadlift and all of your trainers have to teach the deadlift that same way, mm -hmm. that's the IRS is going to say, you're exhibiting a lot of control over your staff. They're more right. of employees than they are independent contractors. Um, my reading of it also goes to the extent of if a coach is running a group session and you're telling the coach what the warm-up is going to be, what the workout is going to be, and how they get from point A to point B in a class, they're an employee, not an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have individual states like California that says you have to give people benefits now as well. Well, even even as you, a contractor, or you can't have contractors in California because you all. have to give them benefits. And part of the IRS test is if you give people benefits, they're automatically an employee. Hmm. That's so a weird, if you that's give a weird people, kind of like catch 22. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes, it is. If, if you give people um, uh, whatever insurance benefits, if you give them workers comp benefits, if you give them paid time off, if you give them specific vacation time, these are all benefits that the IRS is going to look at and say, they're employees. They're not independent contractors. Mm -hmm. And I think we will walk a very fine line about whether or not somebody is, is to be considered an employee or an independent contractor. So I are on the side of every can consider people an employee right. um, versus <clears throat> just for safety purposes. Cause again, the worst thing that can happen is the IRS comes in and audits you and you've had a, a staff member that's been with you for two or three years, right. you've been paying them as an independent contractor, and the IRS comes in and says, no, 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 that's an employee. You need to go back and pay all of the additional federal taxes that you haven't paid over the last three years. Plus, here's a nice hefty fine for not doing this properly. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, it you're doing your job and then any accountant is doing their jobs. So your job is like, Hey, let's, let's just not have a problem here and let's go with the safe route where, right. and, it, and typically, typically this is not, you know, an exact science, but on payroll, if you were to switch from, uh, from 1099 to W2, it's about an 11% increase in your, in what you pay out. Right. So if you, if you're yeah. paying $10,000 in payroll, you're going to pay 11 at this point, right. You know, 11, one or whatever. Um, so, and that's the accountant's job is like, well, we're trying to minimize and yeah. cut costs as we go through. And then, and then in turn, like let the, let the coach 
figure out how they can minimize their tax liability and do that too, by creating an LLC themselves and do that kind of stuff. But, um, okay. and for the record, we forgot to bring it. We're not giving any advice in this podcast, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. They're not advice. Yeah. Cannot rely on any of this, uh, except for the fact that we are going to drop that paper and get rid of my partner. You guys can all rely <laughs> on that. You guys can all rely on that. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that's, uh, and this is one where I just like, go talk to a lawyer, go talk to your accountant and then make that decision based on your own information. You're, and that's the other thing is like, it, that does vary by state. And I think people forget that. They're like, oh, it just is. And I'm like, I mean, it depends. Like if you're in California, it doesn't sound like you have an, an, like a choice at all. Nope. Nope. You don't have a choice. Um, the other one that I think people get really tripped up on is trading services for memberships. Oh, please. So, yes. Let's talk about yeah, this. Yeah. We're, we're going to, you know, I, I don't have the money to hire this coach. So instead I'm going to give them a, a membership instead of, uh, and they're just going to get a free membership. And I'm going to get a few hours of coaching out of them. A free membership has value. That value is technically taxable. Uh, Ooh, okay. Now, if anybody's really going to get caught on this, you know, it's uh, again, this is the information that you need to know. This is legally what, what you're looking at. You make the business decision about how you want to handle it. But <clears throat> let's say you, so generally speaking, if you pay somebody over $600 a year, you have to file a tax document, whether that's a W-2 right. or a 1099. Okay. So you have an individual comes in, your membership is, let's say $150 a month. And they come in and, and you decide that they're going to coach for you. Four months in, they've hit $600. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to look at that and say, well, they're just coming in and, and training for me and they get a free membership. But if you get it audited, the IRS is going to look at that and say, well, technically you're paying them $150 because you're giving them $150 worth of value in your free membership. They've been coaching for you for more than six months or more than four months. So you got to file a tax document now for this individual. So then the question becomes, well, are they a 1099 or are they a W-2? And, you know, rewind back a few minutes if they're if they've been working for you hourly and you sent them out to get their level one and you paid for their level one and you're telling them when they're on the schedule and you have you've exerted all this control over them that passes the irs test for an employee now you're really up creek because you've traded services you haven't taken any taxes out they haven't paid any taxes on it right um, and now you've got an issue so better just to if you're going to do that better to just have them continue to pay for their membership and you just pay them as a, however you decide as an independent contractor. or employee. Yeah. That's always one. I just like really encourage people. Like I, there are some scenarios where like, I can't afford to pay people. I'm like, all right, well you have to do what you're going to do as, as a business. Owner. Yeah. Right. You gotta, right. You gotta, you gotta make that work somehow. But I'm like the second we can pay people and just make this a transaction of some sort to clean this up. Like you need to do that. Yep. Um, like the second we can do that. Uh, I think that's super important. A, it's just, it's professional, but num- but B, it is a problem for many, many reasons. There's cultural mm-hmm. problems with that. There's like legal problems with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that one is also because there's, I mean, there's still tons of gyms that do this tons. Oh yeah. Oh, there are, there are. And, and, you know, again, <clears throat> probably nine times out of 10, you know, you're, you won't get caught on it, but we're trying to prepare you so that that one time that you do get caught, it's not an issue. Yeah. Right. So you have the information, you go do with it what you want. Um, but by all means, don't come back crawling to us saying, 
Uh, what do I do? I got in trouble. Yeah, like, yep. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did get in trouble. Um, I lied. Just like when I just I lied about last question. Just like when coaches lie That's about cool. uh, one more rep. They're like one more yeah, rep, yeah. and then they just do ten more. That. And I'm like, yeah, I stopped counting. I stopped I saying stopped. that. To my I, I told people that level two. I'm like, yeah. stop saying that because it's quite literally never. It's never. <laughs> it's true. never gonna happen it's never gonna happen give me give um, me one more uh um, what i didn't like that one give me yeah, another one no 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 just, no give me another one. just kidding um how much does it matter how you set your business entity up as far as an llc versus incorporation or as Correct. far as like a c corp s corp sole proprietorship uh okay. how about all of it how how, <laughs> how how deep is that well <laughs> it's not too bad it's not too okay. bad um, so incorporations, uh, versus an LLC. So LLC is short for limited liability company. Um, there are other distinctions, but I'm going to give you the biggest one is a company is considered member, ma- member run while a corporation is considered uh, manager run. So if you have a board of directors, etc., then you are considered management run and you need to incorporate. If you're, especially as a sole owner, you're not going to have any kind of management structure whatsoever. Right. Uh, you're just a member run LLC. That's the most basic. It's going to be the cheapest. It's going to be the s- simplest to set up, um, the easiest to file and get everything back. So <clears throat> um, just worry about an LLC, at least get an LLC. At what uh, point, at what point in like, a, or would there be a point where you would transition from an LLC to incorporated? Like if you're, if your um, entity gets large enough, like, is it a revenue thing? Is it, I have multiple entities that exist where I have, um, what's the, in Texas, you can do this. It's, uh, a series LLC. Okay. Where, See, I, I don't, I'm not familiar when you get into those little, okay. those state nuances like that. Um, but typically speaking, Somebody running a CrossFit gym is is probably not going to grow to the point that they need like a board of directors. Right. Okay. If if you're a big company like CrossFit Incorporated, maybe even NC Fit, as they continue to expand out, um, you know, and, and you start getting multiple gyms, you start uh, opening up multiple locations, you have multiple LLCs. So you're starting to resemble else. more like a franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you start to get something that big, you probably now want to get a board of directors or if you're a nonprofit, which none of us are because we can't really designate ourselves nonprofits. I um, mean, can you? I mean, have you gone through that process? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of nonprofits rolling out there. I'm like, I don't really understand how this is a nonprofit, but okay. Yeah, not really quite <laughs> sure. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's really when you're going to move from an LLC into it to worrying about some sort of an incorporation. Um, on the flip side of that, I, I mentioned tax designation. So there's four tax designations for your company. There's sole proprietorship, partnership, um, an S corp and a C corp. And this, I think this can cause some common confusion because people say, well, I don't want to be an LLC yet. I want to be an S corp. And that's, those are not two different things. The S corp is your tax designation for your LLC. Right. Um, Nobody will ever go to the point of needing a C corp. All right. That's like, if you're I was going to say, so for the, for the most part, like a gym owners, like a uh, sole proprietorship and C corp are pretty much off the table. Correct. 
Uh, I don't think sole proprietorship is. Oh, no, okay. I think you're all right being a sole proprietorship. So a sole proprietorship for tax designation purposes is not the same as running a gym as a sole proprietor. Okay. okay. Um, so if you don't file an LLC and you just run the gym as you know Jason's gym, Right. with no LLC, you are considered a sole proprietor for legal reasons and tax reasons. Okay. And in those instances, you're now exposed. Okay. For tax purposes, once you're an LLC, the LLC is considered a pass-through corporation. And we're getting a little bit into the, in the weeds, weeds. some of these yeah. terms, but your tax designation as a sole proprietorship just means that you get all of the money that comes through and you're responsible for paying all of the taxes yourself. You still get the the legal protection of the LLC. It's just your taxes. You're just an individual. Okay. okay. And the same is going to happen to a partnership as well. Where you get into it is like an S corp. And you know, to, to bring back up John Briggs, he loves S corps, and it's fine. The primary difference between an S corp is the LLC now pays you as an employee. Right. Okay. And there's tax advantages to that. Right. Once you, your company is making so much money, right. Right. There's, there's, there's a point and that's where you want to talk to your accountant. There's a point at which continuing as just a, a sole proprietor LLC versus designating yourself as an S corp, there's going to be a tax advantage to becoming right. an S corp. Right. So, and again, <clears throat> talk to an expert, get, <laughs> get with a, get, sit down in a room with an attorney and your financial advisor and figure out which one yeah. of those is best for you. Like they're not going to steer you wrong. Um, they will charge you. You will pay money for that. So you will for that, uh, but it'll be but worth that it. That comes with business. Right. <laughs> so, um, well, cool, man, this has been fun. I think, I think we covered quite a few things that I think people will take away from this. Um, anything else you want to uh, just kind of close with, with regard to gym owners and, and things that they should be considering. If you guys, if you guys want to, again, go check out gymlawyers.com. There's some really good blogs on there. Um, I was just kind of perusing prior to, um, but anything else you think they should know? Yeah. So first off, thanks for the plug again. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I, the, the message that we are really trying to get out is if you don't know, or if there's any question at all in your brain, just reach out. Um, because we may talk to you and we might say, you don't have any problem at all. Good job. Continue doing your business. But that that's generally not the instance. And right. we can't stress enough that when there's a problem is the, the when the problem arises, it is now too late to worry about these things. Right. So don't think it's formality. Don't think it's going to make somebody mad. Don't think you're being annoying. You're trying to set up a business for success. The last thing you want is something legal to come around or come around and, and shut you down. Right. So. Yeah. Reach out. I recommend guys like, you know, whether you, you know, reach out to Matt and his crew or whether you find somebody local in the community that you trust, like y- you do need to have a relationship with a lawyer, whether you have them on retainer, you probably don't need to have more retainer, just pay them for their services. But, yeah. um, you know, like y- you, you're definitely going to want to have that relationship because it's always better to have one and have, uh, be able to make a quick phone call. than you're like, Oh shit, I need a lawyer. Now what do I do? Thanks for checking out this episode of the Best Hour of Their Day podcast. We appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. You can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms. 
you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.